so those are things that I'm keeping an eye out on. Portable SSDs, stuff like you know, like it's mm-hmm. not sexy stuff, but it's stuff that like you end up using. Well, portable SD, SDDs and um, SD cards are pretty sexy to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love extra. I just love having extra storage around. That's true, dude. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pop Culture Podcast. We are doing a special recording today on a Sunday. It's later than we usually do it, but we figured since the Niners won a game, their first game, we figured to what better time. Um, actually, nah, we've just been hella tired the last couple of days, and this was the only time to do it. Um, so mm-hmm. my, my name is Anton. Uh, I'm father to Ginny, who turns four in a couple of weeks. And Ellis, who is uh, Mr. Confident Walker right now, and also Mr. Confident Whiner. Um, and <laughs> today he was off the hook. Um, and I have to say that I'm continually amazed by how Ginny can hold her own playing Little Big Planet 3 on the PS4. Like, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Hella proud. Nice. Hella proud. Gamer Dad? Not really. All right, and I'm John. I'm father to Malcolm, who is one year old. And honestly, I'm not sure I'm ever happier than when I notice that there are unwatched episodes of Flea Market Flip in my DVR. John and I, we've known each other for, gosh, probably over 20 years now. And um, Mm -hmm. basically, we spend our time on this podcast talking about all the pop culture and entertainment that uh, we used to love that we still do love or really stuff that probably we should be breaking up with call of duty um you know now that we're dads and we look at things differently um but mainly it's just a good opportunity to just like tell folks to get off our lawns because we're hella old do you have any updates i do i have a few uh want me to go yeah, you should go, man. All right. The last episode, I was talking about the National Novel Writing Month thing that I've done in the past. That I actually completed once uh, about 10, 9 years ago. And I thought, okay, that'd be cool to write something. Guess how many characters I've written for that? Um, or used. 340. No. I can't even fill up an OG Twitter limit. So I haven't written anything for it. Dang. One, <laughs> what? Twitter's what? 140? 140 characters? The original, yeah, the original was 140. Dang. That's well, some ideas, but I really just didn't. I haven't had time. Yeah, you've been busy, right? Like, busy. don't you have some major, like, life news? Do. Like, moving? Yeah, that's big, right? Yeah, that happened, and just all this stuff at work, like editing silly videos. Um, <laughs> that kind of took up time, and playing with felt. Um, yeah, so I haven't written anything. I can barely stay awake past 
like 8 30 and i do and then i end up wait, staying up till like one <laughs> but, and then still not write anything it's still not writing anything because that's the time i get to watch wrestling and horror shows and stuff that nice nice normally can't watch when um but we are moving, so I think that'll free up some time to watch stupid things earlier in the day. But that's not really... Maybe, I'll talk a little maybe, about dude. moving a little bit later. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, two other things, just short. I listened to Dirty John, or listened to the whole thing. What'd you think? I thought it was interesting. I always like those true crime stories especially if they're uh, consolidated or uh, focused on one particular thing one particular story yeah and I wasn't sure if this if that was going to have some kind of weird twist or anything like that and I, I forced myself not to google anything about any of the people in the podcast so it wouldn't spoil any of the story um, which is always a little bit weird when when I think about true crime podcasts or like when I'm watching Dateline because I feel like there's a little piece of or maybe a large piece of uh, like um, horror voyeurism you know yeah, people's lives true. that got tore up with murder and stuff um, but I, aside from that it was interesting. I'd like to hear uh, more of those things, especially from um, from the the journalists that covered it, like you know the one from San Jose Mercury and the one from LA Times. There, not them in particular, but anyone that happens to be you know neck deep in the story, right? Or I mean, neck deep already in the story, not like coming in from out of the blue and wanting to do a story that they found something kind of interesting. Wait, do you mean like from this particular, this particular case or are you talking about just true crime in general where just in general? Yeah. Cause you know, serial, the first one, uh, the first season obviously was, was great for what it was. And, but I'm, I'm sure if, if, any of the journalists that were originally on that story were heavily involved in a podcast, it would have a little bit more deeper kind of, um, yeah, I agree. You know, true crime. Yeah. They're doing, um, I think I, I got an update and then they did a preview of, I think LA times is next, next case. And it's basically the, uh, Charles Manson. Hmm. Yeah. So they talked about. Um. They talked about basically the murders that happened in in the Hollywood Hills or or whatever. But this is, I mean, this is weird. This is, you know, different because it's so far removed. Like it was what forty years ago or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But it, you know, it's interesting. All, you know, actually, all I heard was a preview of it, so it was pretty cool. Have you ever heard of the podcast? You must remember this. No, I uh, haven't listened to a lot of it. I, I first learned about it through one of the comic book writers I follow. 
And so the cover, you must remember this covers a lot of like Hollywood stories. Hmm. And they're not necessarily all like true crime or anything like that. They're just like deep dives into certain deeper stories in Hollywood's history. And since the Charles Manson, whole, the whole Charles Manson experience was heavily impacted or impacting Hollywood at the time. Right. Uh, they actually did a 12 part podcast on it. Huh? Yeah. It's called, you must remember this. I'll check it out. Yep. Cool. Another update is, um, I finally posted the blog from my first work trip. Oh yeah. Which yeah. was pretty much just shots of, See uh, sights from the plane, some walking and food, but that's what most of that trip was, except for the work part. But I didn't really want to film the work. Part, <laughs> yeah, who, so. nobody cares about that, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, the work part was it was actually really interesting, but I don't think anyone would find that interesting outside of me and the people that were there. So, <laughs> um, you know, as a as a dad who plays with iMovie that was my that's all I could do for my it's vlog all good man it's all good <laughs> cool that's pretty much it for me how about you not 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 a whole lot really uh, I know a few episodes back we talked about uh, your thoughts on La La Land and I finally got to watch mm-hmm. it earlier now, today actually um, mm-hmm. so I I liked it. Um, okay. I mean, it was fine. Like, it, yeah. I think it's a cute movie. Like, I understand why the Academy loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, it kind of felt like the movie wants to remind everyone of a time where they weren't jaded. Mm-hmm. Particularly, you know, like having lived in LA and having known people who have move there because they want to pursue their dreams of being a director, filmmaker, uh, actor, mm-hmm. you know, artist of some sort. Right. Um, and you know, the Academy is all people in the industry. So I'm sure, you know, they, they want to be reminded of the, the times where they weren't jaded or it was very wistful. Like the, the story is right. wistful. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, so I, I could get that. In in terms of like the filmmaking craft, mm-hmm. I think it's super well made. Yeah. Um you know, the beats were kind of predictable. Um mm-hmm. but for like I guess a modern musical, it was fine. Yeah. And, you know, it got me thinking a little bit about the people who who have said that they've loved it. And then mm-hmm. the people who, at least more recently, have said that they've hated it, or that they didn't, it didn't resonate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wondering if your your feelings about that movie says more about that person as opposed to the actual film. And it, right. you know, because if you're like a, I guess a romantic person or someone who's hopeful or uh, always positive 
you know, that's right up your alley. That film is right up your alley. If you're more cynical, more realistic, you know, might mm-hmm. not be your cup of tea. Right. The, the other thing I was wondering too is like, when did people watch it? You know, mm-hmm. if, if you watched it after the election, you know, when there's like really serious stuff happening in the world. Yeah. Like you're really, it's really not going to resonate for you or maybe you don't want to even, even think about something, this, this fake, it, like it makes it more fake, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, the LA that they portrayed there looked fake, you know? And I think that mm-hmm. that was done for a reason. Like it doesn't look real like real LA the way insecure would right you know what i'm saying like everything was yeah. stylized lighting wise and um everything looks so clean yeah well it was it's like what we when i was mentioning it felt like i got the part where it was harkening back to old hollywood yeah in terms of just the cinema itself mhm um with lighting and cuts and transitions and all that stuff it was I, I mean, I I'm not a scholar of old movies, but I've seen enough that, of the bigger ones that heavily influenced it. Yeah, for sure. Um, particularly Singing in the Rain, I'm sure, mm-hmm. because it had it had that kind of stake in in trying to explore the impact of Hollywood in a historical sense. Um, and it was cheesy and you know love story and all that stuff which i guess a lot of i mean that's what musicals are right right and you know i I kept thinking about your point the like the race problem that it has Mm -hmm. um and yeah it it's definitely problematic um but you know what i thought about was like what if what if it the John Legend character or, uh the character that you know the John Legend plays and then Ryan Gosling's character what if the gen uh, the races were switched mm-hmm. like what if it's like a black protagonist who's trying to save like old school jazz and then he ends up selling out to be a part of like this new AG or like this new school jazz band that uh, was was like led by a white guy, right? Which is which is modern jazz, <laughs> the real story of modern jazz, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. I I will say though that um, Ryan Gosling and uh, Emma Stone's chemistry is is unmatched. I would say because mm-hmm. uh, they they were also they also had really good chemistry in that other that other film. Crazy stupid love. Yes. Yes. Yeah, love that movie too. Um, yeah, I think th- their chemistry is like super unmatched. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of like that, uh, spoilers, obviously. Um, but at, at the very end where Emma or like Mia's, Mia, Mia's husband is played by, um, Tom Everett Scott from mm. that thing you do, right. who was the drummer, yeah. who was also, uh, coincidentally, uh, a white guy that wanted to save jazz. <laughs> You know, so it was a it was a nice shout out to, uh, to to that. So that that was, I mean, for me that was like an extra level of 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 yeah, fun that I could enjoy. And maybe that the, maybe that was the um that was the inside jab from the filmmakers. Oh yeah, or or as, as like being self aware and like making sure. They can get a little jab in the studio. <laughs> Since I think we talked about it, but uh, the writer director, um, he actually wanted Ryan Gosling's character to, to be done by um, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and then the studio must have said no so hmm maybe he's a lot more self-aware than i mean maybe probably he's way more self-aware than what the movie could portray given its big studio property yeah i want status i mean as a property I wonder if the soundtrack would have been the same. Cause that, yeah. I guess that was all, a lot of it was like, um, I mean, I definitely can't really see Michael, Michael B. Jordan pulling off some of those dance moves and the singing in that style. Great. But you know, interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, I I thought I would dislike it more, um, to be honest. Yeah. I thought I would just be like, oh my God, get over yourselves, guys. But, you know, I think what really drew me in was that it was a well-crafted film and the fact that Gosling and Emma Stone, like, their chemistry was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, real talk, like I'm a sucker for a pretty decent like love story. Yeah. And you know, you mix that in with kind of a coming of age and like, you know, pursuing your dreams versus selling out, like that's all stuff that everyone can relate to. Right. And it was like a good mix of just all of that. So and you know, right. having the you know I'm an aspiring filmmaker too, so there's a part of me that really can't deny that this was probably made for someone like me. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think um, I, I tell you, I agree with you a lot of that, like with the 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 romantic story, and I could definitely see that point about the the wistfulness and the hope. Yeah. And the context of 
when people watch it. I think with all media, how it's received is definitely more about the person that's watching it than the media itself. Sure. Unless it's like really, really bad music or really, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then still, it, some people love cheesy, bad music, which is fine, right? And then also really bad movies and B movies or C movies or whatever. And they just, they, they have a legitimate, like, love for it. You know, like we talked about, like with some of the folks that we follow on. Right the ringer and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the, the context of when it's been watched, when, when it was watched and that point about if it was pre-election or post-election and the graph, <laughs> the, the, just the real gravity of everything that happens every day since the election, that something that it was full, especially when it's some, when it's a story about, Hollywood people just elites. wanting to yeah, make it, yeah, wanting yeah. to make it in Hollywood and stuff. It's, yeah, you know, like or just people even being creatives. I, I think there's a stigma. You know, there's yeah, there's a stigma and there's less of an interest in it. Yeah. So I guess for some backstory, we were supposed to record um, like Friday night as our usual night. Uh, we were both tired, didn't really have anything. Then yesterday, we, we, we were supposed to record yesterday and then on Saturday. And then uh, you sent me a text and you're like, hey, let's just record tomorrow. And I was like, well, let's, we, can, we can still record tonight. But we actually didn't really have a topic until I was like, oh, I'm watching the... Um, rick flair 30 for 30 right now mm-hmm. we can record after i finish this and then i think you were like super into it and we decided yeah. that hey let's uh let's put it on ice for a day so we can just kind of let everything sink in and and then we can talk about it um so yeah our topic for this episode is going to be the recent 30 for 30 which is the espn uh, docuseries um, about Ric Flair. Um, it's called Nature, Nature Boy, Boy, right? Nature mm-hmm. It's called Nature Boy. Nature Boy. And I can't remember the director's name. Rory Karp? 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 Right, right. Something okay. like that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to throw it to you, uh, mm-hmm. since you are the, the wrestling, hardcore wrestling fan. And um, yep. bring it on me, man. Lay it on me. What do you got? <laughs> I think, uh, well, my general reaction to it was I really enjoyed it. But okay. I, I, I kind of just like a lot of well-made behind-the-scenes stuff for wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with WWF, WWE, well, WWE, but WWF because we didn't have cable, so that's what I had. And then occasionally could get like random random broadcasts of AWA and the WCCW in Texas hmm. became the USWA or something like that but uh, none of those really feature Ric Flair so I only knew Ric Flair through through Pro Wrestling Illustrated the, the magazines 
So I owned, my parents were nice enough to buy me maybe like four or five wrestling magazines when I was a kid. And three of them were the end of the year special magazines by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which would have lots of different interesting things like write-in categories for awards, their own awards, a lot of silly stuff. And that's pretty much all I knew about Ric Flair because even on the VHS cycle at our video store, there really wasn't that much NWA stuff there, right? Right. So I didn't really get to watch Ric Flair until he was pretty much way past his prime um, in the late 90s when I started watching WCW or maybe mid to late nineties, but then it was, uh, it was, that wasn't, you know, the best of Ric Flair and that was the best of the four horsemen. Yeah. All of his classic matches with Ricky Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, Nikita Koloff. And actually, no, uh, just out the people. Oh, Barry Windham. I, I didn't really get to watch a lot of that because it wasn't on TV or VHS. So it was cool to see a, a lot of that in the Ric Flair thing. Um, so that was my first gut reaction. What about yours? Yeah, same. Like, I, w- I would say, like, I was more of a fan in the 80s of wrestling, but that was because of the – because WWF knew how to market the shit out of uh, their product, right? So yep. watch it on Saturdays. And I had – I think I had just heard either through magazines or through um, other people who were like way more into wrestling about NWA and Ric Flair and like Sting um, mm-hmm. and Road Warriors, right? Yeah. And shout out to um, Animal who still had his Road Warrior face paint like for the yep. interview. That's hardcore. Whose kid, by the way, is a starting linebacker in the NFL. Oh, really? No way. Yeah, I think he was he played on the Rams, Laurinaitis. No way. I don't know if he's still on the Rams, but he um he went to Ohio State, I think. Um but anyway, that's, that's his that's his son. That's dope. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then just kind of watching this documentary, I was I kept thinking like, man, I would have totally been an indirect flair. Mm-hmm. Had I, you know, had I grown up watching him, yeah, um, and I liked it. I it was heartbreaking, um, yeah. but so many of these wrestling stories are right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's I guess it's not as heartbreaking because he's still alive. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the the really bad, heartbreaking stories are the ones where, um. You know, the wrestlers die prematurely or violently. Yeah, violently. Um, Which is most of the stories from a bulk of the late 80s through late 90s wrestlers, like superstars, or actually early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and just kind of hearing him talk about what he was like as a father like mm-hmm. him being honest about it like you know he wasn't he hasn't 
Peter's not fooling himself in terms of what kind of a dad he was, right? Like, yeah, that that was heartbreaking. Hearing some of the the sons and the his one son talk mm-hmm. about it, I was just like, dang, that's that's pretty rough. Um, but overall, it I kind of wanted more at the end. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly what, but yeah. you know, these thirty for thirties aren't too long anyway, right? Yeah. Um. But. I felt like I wanted to know a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause that's really afterwards. That's kind of what I was thinking about. And my main, not critique of it. My main, maybe disappointment in it is that it didn't have more. And I feel like on one end, if you've never watched wrestling, I think that's a kind of a great, introspection into one of the greatest ever who happens to still be alive which not so ironically i don't think was uh after that film was created like filmed and stuff there was three to five weeks when rick flair was in a coma yeah uh earlier this year and so that was after all that was filmed which you know talk about like the tragedies that could have been the the footnote to that story if you didn't make it through yeah for sure um but i felt like there was a lot more that could have been done from multiple angles mm-hmm. i think there's his personal story i think i think there could have been a lot more towards his middle to late his late career um and I feel like the family stuff was really lightly touched upon. And maybe because Reed's death is still pretty fresh to him. Yeah. Because Reed's death is really still fresh to his, his daughter, Charlotte. Um, who, or Ash, her name's Ashley. And, but her Charlotte, wrestling, Char- wrestling name is Charlotte. Yeah, her ring name is Charlotte, who is, I think, by far the best female wrestler in the game right now and she's one of the top 10 period when she's on in terms of in-ring skill and character development and um, all that stuff Hmm. but she you know and and there's no timetable for mourning and stuff right yeah but she is in the game because her brother died because she had no plans to be in wrestling, right? Yeah, that's that was like uh, that was an aspect that like felt like Rushed. super quick. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, cool. She's a sister. She's talking about it. There were like they set it up that they were close, um, and then it was just like, yeah, you know, after he passed, that's when I knew what my direction was or my, my life was going to go in this direction. Yeah. And then yeah. it cuts to like her in the ring. And I'm like, wait, what, what just happened? Right. Um, but you know, that felt a little fast pacing wise. Um, I loved, uh, hearing about hearing all the interviews with other wrestlers who had worked mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Like the Ricky Steamboat stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know. I remember. 
I remember a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about how you were appreciating um, kind of like how people, how wrestlers take care of each other, yeah. like in, in ring, right? Yeah. Uh, during a match and, and things like that. And then it, it, I immediately thought of what you were saying while Ricky Steamboat was talking about, you know, how they just seem to have like this really good nonverbal um, mm-hmm. communication about what the crowd needed, what they needed to kind of do um, to make sure that they give the crowd like the best show. Um, And it was crazy hearing Hulk Hogan talk about it too. And, and, you know, like, and how he just completely admits that he's like some huge hack. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah. Compared to like Ric Flair. Yeah, that was cool of him to do that. But I was also like, I know everyone has different reactions and how they talk and then their eyes go elsewhere. But the moment he said that, when he's like, man, Ric Flair is the best, best wrestler in the game. You know, I, I can't even match up to him. His eyes totally shifted from right to left. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they talk about like, okay, if you want if someone's lying, look at how they react with their eyes. Yeah, yeah. And right when he said that, his eyes like jetted <laughs> straight. His eyeballs were like straight left, right. Like couldn't couldn't look on. And you know that's all like subconscious. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't know. It, they, especially back then, the wrestlers had to have huge egos since they were carrying so much. You know, like um, one of the issues with the wrestling now is that everything is way over prepared. Um, like interviews, their promos, what they call, you know, the mm-hmm. ring on the mic. Um, and then there's, and part of it, you know, it just to be fair to the wrestlers now, and it's not so much their fault. It's more like the, it's more of WWE's fault. Right. Is that, um, they have to have, they're wrestling every week. They're showing, they have to have a content every week for at least one show per week. And sometimes it's like five, you know, three to five televised things. Right. And then back then people were wrestling in house where it's a little bit, I mean, off TV and there's a little bit of leeway where people can mess up and all that stuff. And people had a little bit more power and control over what to do. Hmm. I kind of think about it like in a in an old school quarterback to current quarterback, and particularly maybe college, because in in NFL they still have to do a lot themselves. But you know, like you know the the whole stereotype of the old school quarterback is that they they did everything, they read everything, they called the plays and the huddle, blah blah blah, right? Yeah. And now everything is scripted super scripted i mean everything's always been scripted but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like you heard rick flair talk about i sensed the crowd and i had to do something and i changed it yeah you know? and then there was this match that i watched between the rock and brock lesnar from 2002 where rock came in as the as the the baby face like the number one baby face brock lesnar was still coming up 
and um rock was gonna leave to go do some more like basically shift full full time into hollywood hollywood stuff yeah and then the crowd in the middle of that match totally turned on the rock like everyone was pretty much not everyone but there was a heavy heavy favorite um of heavy favor for brock lesnar mm-hmm. and so the rock being more confident what he could do in the ring he basically flipped and started playing a little bit more of the heel mm. and those are the things that you don't really see um with most players in the wwe like some of the old school guys will still do that so anyway i kind of and then you think have you ever do you watch much college football nowadays no nah, man i never okay, was so... really into college football Okay, I was into some like I grew up with like Notre Dame and those big matches and other things, but I mostly watch college football now because um, just to watch Cal. But pretty much what happens in almost all college teams, like they could be the number one team from like Texas or Florida or whatever, right? They the quarterback gets the call. They set up the play, and then the audible comes from the sideline. The sideline, the assistant coach is holding up four signs, like symbols. Right. And they could be hella random, like a hamburger, a chicken, whatever. And so basically, expected to do any reads, right? Yeah. So the 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 offensive coordinator is seeing it from the top of the stadium relaying it down to the right, right to the coaches on the field to make the call and so you know when rick flair was talking about i or when sting or rick flair or, or other wrestlers were saying how rick flair sent something in the crowd and said okay do this you know throw me over the ring or or uh with sting telling him like okay just do that and i'll um just make it seem like it really hurts. Right, right. right. Like he could audible like that in, in the ring. That part um, is always fun to hear about because you don't get to hear it much and see it much. Yeah, I think that's what I would also like to hear more about is maybe some extra detail for some matches. And, you know, the re- when they talked about the his retirement match or whatever against Shawn Michaels, yeah. like... I had no idea like what that was. So I think having a little bit more um, description about that would have been helpful because it seemed like it was pretty epic. Like I, I could tell it was epic, but like just not having seen it or remembering or, right. You know, um, it, it yeah. felt like I knew it was super impactful, but I wasn't impacted as much as I probably could have been if there was a little bit more. Right. You know, it was kind of hazy, right? Uh, well, yeah. And I don't, I mean, I wasn't really watching wrestling back then either. Yeah. I wasn't either. So I, that was the times when I took a big break. But even in that segment in the, document, in the documentary, that segment ended up putting. Shawn Michaels more over than Ric Flair. Right. 
not just in the wrestling match, but like, you know, yeah, they he had this epic match as a retirement. I'm not exactly sure what all the context was. Obviously, wrestling Shawn Michaels, who at that time had actually come out of retirement a few years before that. Um, And then Shawn Michaels doing the big in-ring show respect. Like, I don't want to kick you. I don't want to kick you. Right, right. I love you and then kiss them and all that stuff. And, um which you know when wrestlers actually anyway but yeah the, the, i think they're i feel like the second half was really rushed yeah there was a lot of like his origin in terms of his parents and then how he got into wrestling and um those old photos of him when he was looked huge <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah and then a lot of his career and particularly the second half was kind of gone by. But I mean, honestly also like the, for you, you've heard of the four horsemen before. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just as a wrestling thing. Yeah. And that was a huge stable, right? Like that was like the stable of, um, wrestling at the time. And all you pretty much pun intended or no. Uh, No, nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, not intended. And I'm not even yeah. sure if they called them stables back then, honestly. Right. They, they, they were probably like groups because then in the late 90s, the stables kind of went crazy. But um, they, if you knew, heard of Ric Flair, you knew the Four Horsemen. Right, right. But then the Four Horsemen pretty much got like two minutes. Yes, that's that's true. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It did feel rushed. Now, now that you keep, now that we keep discussing it, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. But I mean, then again, you know, maybe this was all cut for time. And, um, you know, one thing, one beef I had with it was they kept cutting to the shot where it was like behind the cameras where you can see the director, and then you can see yeah. like Ric Flair. That, yeah. to me. Um, was stupid. They cut to that <laughs> shot a lot, and yeah. I I think that when you when you focus on like the director that much, like when the director yeah. is kind of that involved, or you see the director in in the, in the documentary, it really yeah. takes it away from the subject. Like, it's fine to hear his voice because you need to hear him ask the questions sometimes, right? Yeah. But the fact that you kind of, like, see him ask the question, I didn't think that was necessary. Right. Right? Like, I don't know. Maybe it was just to kind of show that they had this special special rig set up where, like, you can actually – you can – you're looking at the lens, but you're actually yeah. seeing the director's face. I think that's what they were trying to talk about in the beginning. Like when okay. he was like, hey, so am I looking at you? Or am I looking at the lens? And the director was like, oh, no, no, look at me. But, you know, but you're still looking at through, like at the lens. 
Right. I think that's what they were trying to do, but I was just like, don't do that, man. Just, just show me like, an, just let me hear your voice. Ask the question right. or cut away or just show him like B roll of him. But it was, I was really annoyed actually at, by that. Yeah. Maybe they were trying to do something about like the the multi layers of the um of the you know for better or for worse and I'm not this isn't a judgment call I mean judgment judgmental word but the fakeness of it sure like it's you know, a play, like, like it's a play on that yeah because you know, and part of this is you know I've listened to my favorite podcast to dissect this because some of them have watched it numerous times and some of them are just watching it for the first time on ESPN this week but one of them said that he felt that there was way too much time spent on the question of Ric Flair versus Ric Flair like who was the man versus who was the character uh huh and was Ric Flair fully the character? Um, and then uh, did it impact his personal life when he turned into that character because he was living it and all that stuff? When, you know, for him, I think it was pretty obvious that Ric Flair was Ric Flair. <laughs> you know, like he wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of deviation from. his character from who he was yeah um but maybe the whole setup of the multi-level who's Ric Flair who what is this thing called pro wrestling and then showing showing the crew kind of breaks that fourth wall of the whole wrestling mystique and then breaking the fourth wall of the Ric Flair character. You know what I'm saying? I could, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes, that makes sense. Or was he just being like Diddy in, in, <laughs> in the nineties and being all up in his, his artist songs. No, I think that's probably that probably makes a little bit more sense. Um, so yeah, I guess that that kind of makes sense, especially if if you're setting up. Well, you know, like a lot of documentaries, you know, you're the the person who's asking the question is like directly n- next to the camera, so they're always mm-hmm. looking off angle, right? They're never looking into the screen. So maybe the purpose of them of want, wanting him to be looking directly at the screen as if um, he's talking to you, the audience, directly is to, like, really break that fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. I just don't think it worked. Yeah. For, um, for me, you know. And, and that might be just the kind of the brain thing of, like, some some of the documentary, I think worked really well and then I think part of it didn't because I don't know maybe it was trying too hard to stick to that narrative um, 
rather than just telling this pro wrestler's story. Um, which I, they did, but it was like we were saying it was a little short, and I think there was a lot that was missing that could have been that that would have added depth to him as a human being. Yeah. Um. Even if it was in ring stuff, or even if it was background information from other wrestlers, just in how he set up and all that stuff, you know. Yeah, you know. The other thing, I was listening to one of the podcasts that I listened to about wrestling, and one of the guys who was a guest this week was talking about how, a little bit what what you were talking about earlier about how he, at the end, was asked, "What do you want? To, what do you want to be remembered for?" Mm-hmm. And he said. Well, I wish I could tell you one. I, I was a great dad, but obviously that wasn't, and I was obviously obviously not a great husband. So I guess I have to sell for being, yeah, one of the best, the, best, one wrestler. of the greatest of all time. Yeah. And then for the person on the podcast was like saying that was really poignant and all that stuff. And when I listened to that, <laughs> when I listened to that, when I watched that scene and listened to that scene. I didn't really find it to be really that genuine. Like me, I kind of agree with you. I think that he would. I, f- I think he would want to be like the number one thing would be to be known as the right. greatest wrestler of all right. time, right? Right. So yeah, I, I think he felt what he felt. I mean, I think what he said is true to him. But what I didn't find genuine was that he he couched it in this idea that well obviously i couldn't have been the best dad i couldn't have been the best husband where like no his thing that he wanted to be was the best wrestler and that's all he really cared about at the end right right but the way that he said it or maybe the way that he was set up i don't know how many times they recorded that scene right um I didn't really feel it as much that there was really that much like remorse. Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't read it as if he had any either. It was, um, but it was played to be set to sound remorseful. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially with, uh, with how the director tried to frame the story as like, you know, Oh, Ric Flair versus Ric Flair. You know, like, and did they even, I'm trying to even think if they even answered that question, right? Like, so obviously they showed that, I think the answer to this question was like, uh, it's, it's either, you know, like Rick, Rick Fleer was the, the fake identity and he Mm -hmm. was Rick Flair the entire time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Or maybe Rick Rick Fleer's the one that died. He he actually died like, you know, quote unquote, died in that plane crash. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're. I don't think they ever really answered that. Or they never outrightly answered it. 
Right. Which was, it seemed like that was the main question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe his his life's maybe just too too grand for it to be like an 80 minute. I think it was like 80 minutes, which mm-hmm. is, you know, probably could have been two hours. But right. maybe maybe that was the studio saying, yo, trim it. But Well, for their, for their first foray into wrestling, which they know is going to be a big draw, particularly because it's Ric Flair, and particularly because they also had WWE's um, partnership in it, they could have made it longer. Because then they did, what, a two- or three-parter for the Lakers versus Celtics? Probably. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then they gave some other films, like, full two hours or closer to two hours. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe at some point, you know, as the, the documentarian, there was an interview and he felt that there's just stuff that they couldn't use. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, there's still a bunch of wrestlers that he, like all all the, like the mid career stuff and, you know, all, all the stuff late career. It was like when they started showing him on like TNA, and all the yeah. like the other ones. All it was was like, um, what's the name of the dude with the hat? The announcer. Or the commentator. Oh, Jr. Jay yeah. Ross. Yeah. yeah. He always was like, oh, I just needed money. He didn't save. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, let's just use, let's just throw that in to explain, you know, him. You know, and it reminded me of like OJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or even the wrestler. Um, right. The Aronofsky right. film, right? Where like he's way too old to be doing this sort of stuff. Um. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, that's what. Well, I guess that's why they juxtaposed the TNA run with his retirement match, but Ric Flair ran another good six years up to that TNA run, or when up to that retirement. Like he he extended his career. Yeah, I mean, um, all he should have been doing, he should have just like quit and just like started speaking to like football teams, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, but wrestlers also don't. Wrestlers never retire. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they retire. A lot of them retire for health reasons, and they eventually come back. Like. HBK had a bad back injury. He should have retired a long time ago. He did. Had one one match that was supposed to be a return. Just a one-time shot. And then he ended up wrestling regularly for another five, six years. Um, and then still occasionally comes in and does, you know, simple things. But um, I mean, but, yeah. but uh, what I mean, else a lot are you going to do, though? No. You know, that's it's like a drug. Just get addicted. Well, there's other 
there's other wrestlers that transition into other roles where they're they're still in the industry but they're they're doing other things like dusty rose before he died he was heavily influential in training up a lot of our the current superstars oh really okay in nxt you know where they showed charlotte yeah um he really worked with them on character development mic skills um things like that like he was hugely uh influential in a lot of them and then there's a lot of like the old retired superstars that are are still doing that in terms of developing new talent there's not so much a big network of independent gyms now like where they're doing uh training but you know could have done that which maybe isn't really doesn't really fit his the whole Ric Flair thing because he still had that draw but um I mean if anything it, it got me more interested into like his life and his career yeah um you know maybe there's going to be something that it's going to be a little bit more comprehensive later down the line uh but yeah I mean it was yeah. I was fascinated the, pretty much the entire way yeah. um yeah well it's definitely one of the better 30 for 30s I've seen in a while yeah yeah um any final thoughts about no I th- like you just said I hope that there's a longer cut or some more definitive piece for him at some point um, on a bigger mainstream level. Um, and, and, you know, I would say everything was mostly positive except for the the fact that, like, he drank a lot, you know, or yeah. he, he didn't save his money or he was like a bad, he was a bad dad, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, the, all everyone seemed to, well, rightfully so, be very um reverential in the way that they talked about him as a pro but i'm sure there was i'm sure there were negatives too um but yeah maybe this wasn't the maybe this 30 for 30 wasn't necessarily the the piece to delve into that Is there anything that's uh, over the last couple of weeks that that you've been kind of digging? Yeah, there's just two things. One, I watched The Big Sick. Did you like it? Finally. I liked it a lot. Have you seen it? I did. I watched it on the plane on the way back from Boston. Okay. And, um, yeah, man, th- th- there was... There are parts of that movie that I was laughing. Hung and I were both like laughing out loud for a few minutes. Um, And then there's also parts in that movie where I felt like I wanted to cry (laughs) and just stop myself because I didn't want to. Um, (laughs) But I thought it was a really well balanced um, movie. 
with with the the story and um um with the comedy and the drama and the 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 feels for it yeah apatow is a producer right yeah yeah it it definitely had an apatow vibe for me um well it's pretty much like his (laughs) it's pretty much well not totally uh totally it's kind of in the trend of what his movies have been in the last couple of years like yeah yeah definitely yeah definitely aging comedy and then there's like real life in the midst in the midst of that right yeah yeah and um yeah that's like uh, Kumail Nanjiani's like real life love story yeah most of it most of it yeah yeah I don't know like if I don't know if the real Emily and him had that much like familial issues mm mm like if his family really disowned him for a few years or right right if Emily's family really hated him or well because of the breakup but um but yeah, I like the Latin the I thought the the core performances were great um with the main four with Kumail and the person who played Emily and um Holly Hunter and, and Ray, Ray Romano. Romano. Yeah. But freaking Ray Romano, man. Like he I never watched um what was this show? Um Everybody Loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. So I, I I didn't my my real like deepest interaction with him and his acting was through it was in Parenthood. Oh, he was really good in Parenthood. I only saw a few he was, episodes, but he's yeah, great. he was really good in Parenthood. But he was really great in The Big Sick. He was also in one with, uh, I think it was like on TBS or TNT short oh, right. series. It was like Men Over Forty or something right. like that. Right. I heard that was hella good too. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch that, but um, yeah, I just. Maybe it's because I just didn't know what to expect. Even though, I mean, he was really deep in parenthood. Um, but I felt like how he played vulnerability and sadness and anger. I mean, just seeing all the emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Tied him up into one character being a relatively soft-spoken, um, you know, kind of passive person um he has like a really perfect face for that like it's kind and yeah like you know like in the hospital scene there you know like when he kind of didn't wasn't sure what to do or they didn't really know what was going on with her his his face just told so much about what was going on with him right yeah yeah it was good yeah i didn't the 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 kamel's parents Mm -hmm. that seemed a little over the top for me yeah you know like uh like the dinners and 
you know that oh. that that kind of felt that was a little for me a little over the top like the consistency of bringing someone over uh yes and it's just also the you'll be disowned and yeah yeah i don't know and i don't know maybe it's like maybe it's because you know like aziz put his parents in um you know they're not actors and it's obvious but it's like cute you know so maybe i'm still that i'm getting triggered by you know me kind of being forced to enjoy like what aziz puts out there with with that yeah um yeah well i think well do you think it's realistic that families would disown some of their kids for not yeah no i I do think it's realistic um but the way that it was played for comedy i think to me out of it yeah like i know it's supposed to be a comedy yeah you know but i don't know it just totally it just seemed a little bit weird i liked i liked all the stuff with him and his brother that stuff like i felt it was pitch perfect um yeah i don't know yeah the culture stuff is always a little bit um i mean he's part of the i assume the writers and yeah so he had a lot of say in how he wanted to portray it the one thing i did like about it was um particularly for the women that were being brought over to the house mm-hmm. that um none of them were were playing the role as victimized um except for the one girl who they lied to when he was he, he didn't come over and you know they started speaking in their language and she's like i understand what you're saying oh right 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 uh, <laughs> um but that's more of a comedy thing but um and i like that you know as much as i don't i couldn't imagine being in a world where i was going to be arranged in terms of marriage there's a stigma to it obviously from our culture our western culture Mm -hmm. but for the folks that are in it not everyone has a stigma to it right yeah Um, yeah and that they're like for kamal's character in the film he's like you know what i i have no beef with this or you or whoever and but it's just not for me kind of thing right um, and the women that were going along with it as potential partners weren't like, yeah, they weren't victims. They weren't passive. They were very much, um, conscious of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is a deeper story if they were going to go real, real story, but, um, at least they didn't, um, you know, throw a culture under the bus. Right. Right. So I liked it a lot. I watched it. I only had a 24 hour rental for it. And then um, I haven't rewatched the movie in a long time, but like I had about two hours left on the rental. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch it again. Oh, nice. 
but then I <laughs> it, it ended maybe like in, in seven minutes early. Yeah, but I'm like, oh well, I I got I got to see most of it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that the the those are the those are the like the, that tone of film are like is like my sweet spot in terms of you know dramedies. Yeah. Yeah. And then so that was that. And the other thing was just something I kind of uh, learned about two days ago or three days ago. Um, I already, you're, have you heard of Overdrive, the app? No. So Overdrive essentially is um, a network where you could rent, rent, you could borrow material from a library digital digitally mm, okay so like ebooks and audiobooks and sometimes music or whatever but so there's another app like that called hoopla digital media or hoopla media okay and so they pretty much all you have to do is enter in register and you enter in one of your library cards and so i use my oakland library system card number Mm-hmm. And whatever they have an agreement to share, you could essentially just borrow. So this oh. one in particular caught my interest because it actually also has comic books. Um, and so it has it doesn't have any Marvel because Marvel has their own system, right? Right. But it has pretty current, you know, like maybe a few months back, but pretty current runs of... Um, a bunch of the DC books, some Archie books, um, boom, a bunch of the image books. So there's a lot of like the, well, DC is one of the big two and the image is kind of, you know, big three, but then they have the other kind of like third, fourth tier and they're available. I'm like, Whoa, that's hella books that I could have paid for, but now I could just read, <laughs> read for free. Oh, sweet. I'll check yeah. that out too. I love using my library cool card. People. Yeah. And um, they also have movies and you can rent, borrow uh, music, which I guess isn't as big of a deal if you have access to that somehow. Um, and the ebooks too. But like, yeah, as in terms of comic books, they have, they have the collected trades. So like, you know, I've talked about Tom King and his Batman run. So his, volume three of his batman run i was about to buy but i haven't bought it yet and then they have it but it's available so i'm like oh cool i guess <laughs> finish that up and yeah they also do single issues so you know i think obviously this is a, a shout out to anyone that wants to not buy media if they don't have to let I me mean, also buy certain comic books just to support but um there's a lot more books that I want to read that I, I don't really have the budget to pay for. But this is also a shout out to any of the parents that are listening to this, that if their kids are getting into some graphic novels, like some of our friends' kids are getting into graphic novels, um, or, you know, access to other music if they don't want to pay for like Spotify or anything like that, this is an opportunity for them to borrow it. And I think like in overdrive i think before you had to kind of quote unquote wait for it 
to be freed up, the license to be freed up. But Hoopla, it seems like you could just borrow whatever it is. You just have a limit of five that you could borrow at a certain time. That's tight. Um, but yeah, shoot, there's lots of read and consume if you want. So those are my things. What about you? Um, I'll tell you what I'm not into. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty World War II. Okay, um, how come? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I rented it on Redbox the other day. Uh, I thought that when they had announced it, oops, gosh, like a few months ago, like maybe half a year ago or whatever, or longer, I thought, oh, dude, this is going to be like my way back in. And they actually had a really great ad campaign um, for Call of Duty World War Two. Where uh, have you seen the ad? Have you seen any ads for it? I don't. I think I have. So I don't remember it. It's really basically well. so it starts off with like in this office. So this one guy runs into his coworker's office and he's like, "Hey, did you hear? Call of Duty's going back to World War Two, and like, let's get the let's get the." the gang back together so then they they cut to this other dude who's like just like kicking it not doing anything he's like oh yeah sure i'm in and they're like okay next up is like rodriguez and they're like you can't get rodriguez he's got like the wife and two kids and they show up at his house and he's like all right i'm in so it's 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 really funny because it's exactly me and like all of my friends that i used to play call of duty with like five years or like four years ago or whatever five years ago and i was like oh man they're calling out to me because uh you know it's it's back to world war ii and i love world war ii stuff um but so i anyway i rented it um i played a little bit of the campaign which is exactly like saving private ryan okay you get like beaches of normandy you gotta go um to the to the beach and then do the Bangalore to clear that's exactly the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan which I'm not mad at yeah it was pretty it's it's pretty cool um and then I played um multiplayer and um I can't hang with the kitties man you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying like nope their their hand-eye coordination their fine motor skills on a freaking (laughs) PS4 controller are so good that like it's not even fun when you die every five seconds so i'm just like yeah. you know i'm good i i got yeah. my little taste rented it for like maybe three days actually four days but i didn't play one day so i was like i'm good i'm i'll just uh i already pre-ordered star wars battlefront i might get murdered in that game too but at least it's like you can do different things like fly spaceships and play as your heroes. And so there's probably going to be a lot of other ways that I can keep myself entertained. Uh, well, uh, are they going to keep Battlefront 2 kind of in the same realm as the first one and make it accessible for the less dexterous of I think gamers? I think so, but they also added like... Um, they also want to keep or they want to attract some of the more hardcore, hardcore guys too so yeah. I, I don't know we'll, we'll see how it goes 
Um, yeah, I actually had had a decent like decent stats in the first Star Wars Battlefront, and it was just because like they dumbed it down for everyone, so <laughs> I felt like a stud. Hey, you uh, said you pre-ordered Battlefront two already? Yeah. From where? Uh, PlayStation Store. I had. Um, uh. I kind of uh i took a cue from you by getting um credit card points i had some credit card points expiring uh, okay so i just got playstation store gift cards cool so i uploaded no, was... them and then i um it's already downloaded yeah. and i can play i think a couple of days early oh, um nice. so it's already downloaded it's already installed i just can't play it it just there's like a counter that says like four days and yeah. it's counting down till until the day i can play so I think I'm just gonna I might pause on getting the game because I want to. It's already hard enough for me to play any PS4 games. Yeah, and you might get a good Black Friday deal, which is kind of the next thing that I'm into. Yeah, I'm just like scouring. I'm I'm not even really looking for anything yeah. in particular. Yeah. Um, actually, no, I take that back. There's a couple of things that if if there's a good enough deal, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it. So, like what? In particular, well, um, I was last weekend. I uh, was sent down to do some video work to shoot and edit some stuff for the iPhone 10 launch with that company I've been freelancing for. Mm-hmm. And so I brought my old like MacBook Pro 2012, and uh, basically all the stuff I was shooting. And when I was trying to edit, it was going super slow, just chugging along, um, not even really letting me edit any 4K footage, which is what I was shooting. So I was like, oh, shoot, maybe it's time to upgrade my laptop for these mobile mobile gigs. Um, mm. So I've got my eye on uh, any deals for yeah. MacBook Pros. Is that mainly it? That's like your your main like radar. Of course, there's always going to be like other things that people that you'll there's, be tempted. Yeah, there might be some other things if if they show up. I'm always like on the, you know, like the Amazon. Every six hours, there's a new de- or every two hours, yeah. there's a new deal. You know, I'm sure there're yeah. going to be some video game deals that I might hop on if they're like super cheap. Um, Great. You know, like SD cards, and um, yeah, those are always like super handy. Well, for me, for Black Friday, the I'm one. I need to, I'm just trying to be really disciplined about not buying random crap because I always buy random crap, whether it's Black Friday or not. But um, <laughs> being that we talked about it earlier that we are moving to a new place, um, the rent's going to be higher, right? And it'd be nice to have less stuff to unpack let alone you know having new stuff that i'm spending money on but we are i am particularly on the lookout for a good cutlery set that's you know Mm. really well priced yeah because you know we have some knives here and you know we've they're all like um budget friendly target brands which have been great for us so far but as i've been cutting fruit and preparing meals when the rarely the rare times I do that nowadays it's like I can't cut scallions well because all of our knives are like not 
really sharp and i know i could just get it like sharpened again but it'd be nice to have a like, solid real not yeah i was gonna say yeah. like don't, we don't even have steak knives. yeah it took us a while to get steak knives we actually um tess got that for me for my birthday i think last year mm. or for christmas last year yeah. it was a set of four like woo stuff which is a pretty nice brand yeah. But we only okay. use two. We only keep two out at a time because <laughs> we don't eat, yeah. you know, we use it for basically steak and pork chops. That's it. <laughs> and it makes a, such a big difference, especially the way that you want to cook yeah. certain steak. Really. Like, because if you have a dull knife and you're cutting into a... Um, I feel you, man. Yeah. yeah. So getting that and probably a properly serrated knife would be... Would, would, would be nice for bread but um mm. there's that who is interested in a nice set of uh, pots and pans because again like we've had a good run with our budget-friendly one from burlington right that i think paid majority of it through um credit card rewards points um but uh we like one of those and if we could find a nice portable stroller. Hmm. Those fold up ones. Yeah, like a an umbrella stroller, right? Yeah. Uh well Yes, but a little bit more sturdy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um and th- those because they are portable are hell expensive if you want the high quality ones. Um and I know there's some that like fold up really easily. They could you could put into the overhead care, like o- overhead um, containers and airplanes. Oh, or dang. That's where backpacks. And so we're going to look for one of those. I'm not sure if that's going to pop up. Why not just like gate check it though? Yeah, no, that could be a possibility too, but yeah. it's, it's nice. Like for us, like if we're going to do short trips to like, LA or San Diego if we're going to fly Southwest just to, um, I mean, I guess you could, we, we like to check in as little as possible. No, I, I get you. I get you. So we can get in and out. So but like, you, you know, use... when you, when you gate check though, like it's out, it's already out there when you leave the plane. Yeah. Oh, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's dad moment time. Uh, you want to go first? Is your dad moment? Uh, yeah, I only have one. Uh, I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I took my first like work trip away from the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, this was kind of a big one because now that I think about it, like since we moved back, I've been with the kids almost like the entire time i think mm-hmm. so when i with for i was gone from like from a thursday afternoon through sunday evening and that's a pretty long time i mean it was like um yeah that was, that was a good amount of time i was so busy that like i didn't have a ton of time to sit back and and miss the kids but of course you still do yeah. Um, Where'd yeah, you go? I was just out in LA. Um, okay. Yeah. And it was crazy coming back 
like Ellis was hella good at walking. <laughs> really? Yeah, and it was you know within he was before I left he was like okay cool he could maybe walk half the room you know but that time I came back he's just like doing laps around like the kitchen island like all day and just yeah. walking down and yeah it's crazy what happens in the span of days mm-hmm. yeah. um so that's i mean nothing big for me in terms of dad moments but yeah it was, my, it was the first work trip um it was a lot of work came back was super tired like the whole week was really really rough um just you know getting up early taking care of the kids and just like um trying to budget time to for the freelance freelance gig and still make sure everyone was like fed bathed put to bed you know it was just like it was rough right um so yeah but the work was good work was good it was um it was pretty crazy uh we were there for basically the iphone 10 launch so we got some footage of people lining up at the uh, rancho cucamonga apple store um we were there because uh this company that i freelance for they have a good relationship with one of the really big youtube channels uh his name's austin evans and he he does like unboxing videos and product reviews um so we were able to spend some time with him shooting like behind the scenes of them shooting their iphone 10 review video um so it was pretty cool yes just kind of like these big youtube channels man they're it's like a legit studio Real. They're using cameras and lenses that are like way ex- more expensive than my life. Um, yeah, it's these big YouTube channels. Like it's legit. Like yeah. it's stuff that you would see on like a legit film set. Because right. they're pretty much they're the whole just they're an independent company. Yeah, independent film company. Yeah, pretty much. Or, pretty much. How about you? As mentioned earlier, we are planning for a move. Um, we've been living in a one bedroom for the past three years, almost three years that we really love and love the neighborhood, but we just knew at some point we need to have a two bedroom. Right. Um, so that we can remember what it feels like to sleep in our own bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's going to happen in a couple of weeks. So by the time we have another episode out, it should be in our new digs, which is just three miles away from where we are now. Still in Oakland, um, a little bit further away from work, but um, there's a bus stop near there, which I occasionally take that runs through my or close to my current neighborhood. Oh, cool. So, cool. Who's been doing the brunt of the packing? Um, and we have a whole bunch of boxes in here and all that stuff. So it's just kind of like a, a game of like what what we can pack and what we need. And 
um i need to get on that but that's what we're working on now so we're excited because it's it's gonna be a two-bedroom it's a duplex so we only have one neighbor on our side and it's our landlord who um seems pretty cool oh nice yeah we're gonna have a little patio in the back um that we share with them but she said that they don't really use it so uh we're excited to do a little bit of gardening and um at some point get a grill back there so i could do some grilling sweet um so yeah it'll be uh it'll be nice to have kind of like that fully segmented yeah extra space and yeah have our own room malcolm's gonna have his own room like it's funny when you you think about like packing while um having a kid because he asks sometimes like do you you think he understands what's going on because like his bookshelf is empty now there's all all these boxes around here um and the day of that we move we're dropping him off at daycare and then the movers are going to come and we're going to move and by the time we pick him up from daycare he's going to be coming home to a a different place place. (laughs) (laughs) but i think he's still going to be He'll, he'll obviously know it's a new place, but at the same time, he'll be like, okay. Yeah. It's I'm like, sleepy oh. now. Put me in my crib. Right. Um, this is my life. So, now. yeah, it's going to be cool. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's actually really not that far from where we currently live. It's just, yeah. And uh, the other thing is, while we're also doing that, we're also preparing for our first international trip. Ooh. With, the little kid and so um speaking of points we we've been accumulating miles on this credit card since we were planning the wedding and so um we transitioned to a different mileage card so we just have these points that i I guess we could have transferred over but we're like oh well let's look at what we could do with it and so um the other day our friend rob who is always up on all the flight deals he knew we were looking at wanting to go to europe and then he sent me a link and we're like oh let's look at it and we were just kind of pricing out flights and so one of the things with flying with a kid which i think you know well is um trying to make the decision on the time of flights right right and like you know our trip to seattle was relatively easy and we flew to LA once too because one they're also like they're like what one hour flights or one and a half hour flights and back then he was still nursing right so we had that you know the secret weapon of just going feed him right. <laughs> while we're taking off and landing right but that's not going to happen this time around plus we have like four legs of five hours or more each flight mm-hmm. and so um that was one thing and the other thing is you know so, sometimes there's there's posts or like there's blog this blog that does uh all the flight deals which is called flightdeal.com and sometimes they go like oh you could get a you could get a flight from san francisco to uh south africa for 350 dollars right but when you're planning for a kid you're not going to want to hit all those uh all those details to make it 350 right 
you're not going to want to do like let's do three stops and oh, yeah. yeah yeah right yeah and no, we're gonna fly here and there so it's like yeah i realized when i was looking at some of the flights and i was telling my friend rob i'm like yeah i don't think we're ever going to qualify for these lowest flights because we have to make different decisions with malcolm now it's true um, it's true so um but it's it's fun thinking about what we get to do and trying to think figure out like how we and not in, we're gonna enjoy it but how we alter our plans to to make it you know kid friendly but also do what we want to do um in those cities that we're going to visit right yeah there's gonna be a lot of beer drinking but it's okay because we're not driving anywhere wait on on vacation or on the plane (laughs) both (laughs) no on the um on the wherever the cities we go to we're definitely going to barcelona we have to figure out the other cities that we go to so he'll be about so, like year and a half yeah he'll be about year and a half yeah yeah and so it'll be interesting because then you know he's pickier with food he's pickier with his milk mm-hmm. he's gonna want to run around everywhere i think mm-hmm. the way it ended up that we have essentially four of a large uh, we have four legs large legs and they're going to be five to seven hours long and then we have layovers which i think (laughs) this is the funny thing i am definitely okay with the layover with a child when before i'd just be like whatever give me a i don't want to stop right because then for me it gives us that time to kind of let him stretch out let him run around around, get tired again get tired again it's also um, a more stable place to get him fed and changed that's true and if he wants to get all cranky at least we can get cranky in our own corner right and not like around 25 people right right (laughs) shouting radius that's true. So, well, those are the those are kind luck. of like the new perspectives of traveling that I've been thinking about. Yeah. Like, since, but I mean, yeah, it sounds it like fun. a good plan, but we'll see how it how it ends up going. <laughs> we'll see. How, <laughs> we'll keep it real on the Instagram. <laughs> For sure. We'll see the freakouts if there's freakouts. Insta story. Yep. Well, all right. So, I think that'll do it for uh, episode 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just a quick reminder, check out uh, our vlog on YouTube. It's at Papa Culture Pod. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know where to get us. Uh, please subscribe and write a short review if you can. Um, this is something that we, we like. Hope you guys enjoy it too. I want to give a shout out to Dev, homie Dev. He, um, he told me yesterday that he had given us a, I think a four star review. So shouts to him for doing that. Um, I think he, he's a Dodger fan. So I had to offer condolences for the, for the loss, but I think he was, uh, he, I think he liked the La La Land episode, but now that he can listen to my thoughts now too now that we have one cool thanks dev thanks dev appreciate it 
Once again, this is Anton, and on behalf of John, just want to say thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.